Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. For now, we're going to be looking at Numbers chapter 20 this morning. And last week, we were in Numbers chapter 13. And if you remember, we looked at the story of the 12 spies that went into the promised land and 10 came back and gave a pretty bad report. Two gave a good report, Joshua and Caleb. And in that context, we talked about the importance of trusting God's word, of trusting God's promises, that our God doesn't lie. When, and even right now, when you're scared and you're wondering what's going on, you can cling to the things that God has promised you, that he will not leave you or forsake you. God is with us. He is our rock and our refuge, our ever-present help in our time of need. Maybe you should share that with somebody that's freaking out. We talked about how one of the oldest tricks in the devil's book was to get us to believe his lies. To uh, not trust God's word, but to trust the lies of the devil. And to actually believe that God himself is a liar. And the consequence of that in the very beginning with Adam and Eve was that they got kicked out of the garden and they had to endure life as we now know it. The consequence for the Israelites uh, in Numbers chapter 13 was not getting to go into the promised land, but to wander the wilderness for the next 40 years and face God's judgment punishment for that. So this morning we uh, find ourselves in Numbers chapter 20 and from Numbers 13 to Numbers 20, about 37 or so years passed. So we're getting to the, towards the end of that 40-year period of wandering through the wilderness. And we find the Israelites, this is funny in a way, but sad, we find them back at the very same place they were 37 years before in Numbers chapter 13. You ever feel like you're going through life and you're just spinning your wheels? Okay, one honest guy in the crowd this morning. I mean, you know, you just feel like you're going in circles. You're not getting anywhere. Maybe you've been praying the same old prayers for years, and you've been reading and clinging to the same old Bible verses and stories for years, or maybe uh, you've been going to church and doing the right thing for the past 40 years, but for whatever reason, you're just, you're not getting anywhere. You're not growing. You're not getting what you feel like you need from God. It, it, life is just mundane. Maybe you're not doing any of those things and you're just trying to do it your own way and guess what? You're still just spinning your wheels. As we see in our story this morning, we're going to see you could be on the very edge, the very brink of crossing over into a promised land. But in order to get there, guess what that means? You're going to have to make some changes. How can you think that you're going to keep doing the same old things and somehow get a different outcome? How do you think that you're going to go through life with the same old attitudes and suddenly wake up and today's better? It just don't work that way. So let's look at Numbers chapter 20, starting in verse 1. You may need to make some changes this morning. Some of y'all, that may mean what we look at this morning, taking a, a drink from the living water that comes from the rock. That's what this story is all about. 
The entire Israelite community entered the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and they settled in Kadesh. Miriam died and was buried there. So again, nearly 40 years, almost 40 years have passed at this point from the time that the people chose not to trust God and not to enter the promised land. And that period, we'll just call it a period of judgment. It's about up. And it mentions the death of Miriam, just very briefly. She's an important lady. This is the sister of Moses and Aaron. But it says, frankly, hey, she died, she was buried, and that's it. It's a, uh, kind of gives us a little insight that maybe this old generation is dying out. The, the rebels are dying off. And all, uh, they've about reached their end, and we've got this new generation that God is raising up. And because of that, we would expect things to start looking differently, right? All the old knuckleheads are dying. The new generation that God is going to let in the promised land, they should be full of faith, full of joy, believe God, do all the right things. Guess what? Verse 2 says there was no water for the community. So they assembled against Moses and Aaron. It's almost like you, they have watched their parents and grandparents do this exact same thing. And it's probably exactly what happened. And the point is, what you model, you've got to be careful about this. Because what you model in your generation will probably be practiced by the next one. Verse 3 says, The people quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you led us up from Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It's not a place of grain and figs, vines, and pomegranates. And there's no water to drink. Who does this sound like? This sounds like the same exact bunch of knuckleheads that said the exact same thing 40 years before. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody? I, don't know, I, I shouldn't talk about this. Have you ever have a conversation with somebody... And you're talking to them, and you hear what they're saying, but it is so obvious that the words coming out of their mouth are not their words. You just want to be like, Honey, you've been talking to your mom again, haven't you? <laughs> or somebody else. I'm just saying. <laughs> but <laughs> we have these conversations, and it's so obvious who we're talking to has been talking to somebody else. They've been influenced by somebody else. We can't even think for ourselves. Why do we do that? Well, I think we find that these things get handed down from one generation to the next to the next. And even with the dying off, the passing of an entire generation of people, Moses and Aaron are still dealing with the same old problems. The same old complaints. It's almost dealing with the same old people. Kyle, when you get started, you're going to probably haul, haul four or five generations of the same family to jail. <laughs> it's just the way it, it's biblical. <laughs> but then you look at these folks and you think, man, if they just realized how close they were to the promised land now, that this place, Kadesh, where they'd been before, it's not the end of the road. It's the doorstep to God's promises. The doorstep to our promised land that God has chosen to give us 
for ourselves. It's the place where their forefathers had stood and rebelled against God nearly 40 years before in the exact same way. And for Moses and Aaron, it's just like reliving a nightmare again. So what do they do? They do what they've always done. Look at verse 6. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting. I love this. They fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And we pray for that kind of stuff to happen. I guess one other way to get the glory of the Lord to appear is to complain and rebel against God. I don't recommend that because it's usually followed by some kind of pretty harsh judgment. But still, God has been so faithful to these guys, to Moses and Aaron. He's been faithful to the people of Israel, really. But after 40 years of all of Israel's junk, man, Moses is getting old, literally. He's, he's almost 120 years old at this point. And he's got to be, the way I say it, kind of at the end of his rope with this group of people. And so many times throughout the years, he's gone to God on behalf of these people. He's prayed for them. He's interceded for them. He's asked God to spare them, for God to stay his judgment against them and just give them another chance. But this time you can almost feel it that Moses and Aaron, they don't want God to be gracious. They want him to come back with some of that fire and burn some people up again or come back with one of those plagues and just wipe out a few of them, make the ground open up again and swallow up some of them. But here's the thing. God is not wanting to teach the new generation about his wrath. He don't have to prove that. He needs to prove his grace. In his holiness. Look at verse 7. The Lord spoke to Moses. Take the staff and assemble the, peop the community. You and your brother Aaron are to speak to the rock while they watch. And it will yield its water. You will bring water for them from the rock. And provide drink for the community and their livestock. If you remember... This ain't the first time this scenario's happened. All the way back in Exodus chapter 17, we had the exact same story unfolding just after they came out of Egypt with the old generation. They got out there. They got thirsty. They needed water. God told Moses, take your staff that you struck the Nile with and strike the rock and I'll pour forth water. This time, God doesn't tell him to strike the rock. He says, I want you just to speak to the rock and water is going to come out. And so look at verse 9. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock for you? Again, put yourself in Moses' shoes. He's at the end of his rope. He's pretty well had enough of these people. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to the end of your rope, really? You know what that feels like? You've been so frustrated, so worn, just, just exhausted with life, or just exhausted with people, or maybe exhausted with yourself. And you do things, and you say things that you would otherwise never say or do. Hopefully, when you get there, you'll be obedient. And that's kind of where we're going with this this morning. But look what happens in verse 11. Then Moses raised his hand. And struck the rock twice with his staff. So that abundant water gushed out. And the community and their livestock drank. So Moses blatantly disobeys God. But instead of speaking to the rock, he hits it not once but twice. 
And then God, in His grace, instead of letting them die of thirst, what happens? He gives them water anyway. I think there's a lesson to learn there. But still, there's a price to pay for our disobedience. Verse 12, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this assembly into the land I've given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord, and He demonstrated His holiness to them. Now, I don't know about you, but I read this story. I'll just be honest. I read through this, and I'm thinking, man, what Moses did ain't really that big a deal. In my eyes, he hit a rock instead of speaking to it. We hit it a couple times. Brad, I've done worse than that. What about you? Okay. <laughs> Just checking. What's the big deal? I mean, why, what's, why, why bar Moses and Aaron from the promised land for something that seems so simple? Well, you've got to remember most of the things we read about in the Old Testament is a picture for us today, right? But still you think, I don't know, man, Moses, he'd done so much. He'd sacrificed for God. He'd led these people. He'd put up with them. All of these complaints, all of these different quarrels. I mean, he had given the last 40 years of his life and countless heartaches, betrayal by family and people that he cared about. If anybody standing there deserves the promised land, man, Moses deserves the promised land. Look at all he's done. So what's the big deal? Well... Look at what God says. Verse 12, God tells them what the problem is. It's that he and Aaron did the one thing that, frankly, God can't overlook. God can't forgive this. He says, Moses, you did not trust me. After everything that we've been through, after everything that you've seen me do, you didn't trust me. Again, that may not seem like a big deal to us, but you've got to remember, it's all about trusting God, isn't it? Doesn't everything hinge on faith? And this story all the way back in Numbers it teaches us a very important lesson about Christ. And I told you, as we go through the Bible, I want you to see Jesus... Every step of the way. And in this particular story, Jesus is probably the most unlikely character. It's not Moses, Aaron, Miriam, not the people. Guess who he is? He's that old rock. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, I, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. Get this, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. And so when Moses gets angry, when Moses gets frustrated, and in his lack of faith, he strikes this rock instead of, Speaking to it, what he's doing is he's striking out against a perfect picture of God's grace and God's 
holiness and really God's own Son, Jesus Christ, who's the perfect incarnation of God's grace and God's holiness. And, and if there's one thing that God simply cannot tolerate, it's a lack of faith. Hebrews reminds us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's all about faith. Now, I want you to realize the word that God used when He says, Son, you didn't trust me. And because you didn't trust me, you don't get to go in the promised land. That same word, trust, used in verse 12, is the same word that Moses used in Genesis when the Bible says that uh, Abram believed, Abram trusted, Abram had faith in the Lord, and God credited to him as righteousness. So what I'm getting at is the only way today that you can be saved is through one thing. And I think some of you talked about this in Sunday school. And that's faith. Not in yourself, not in everything that you think it makes you deserve to get to heaven or the promised land. It's faith in Jesus Christ alone, as Mr. Shepherd demonstrated this morning. There's no other way. And if you want peace with God, if you want peace in this life, and if you're scared about the coronavirus and you just don't know what to do and you're freaking out buying up toilet paper and hand sanitizer and you just need some peace, well, guess where that peace is going to come from? Through faith in Jesus. So the rock represented him. And you think about it, living water gushed out of this rock. It sustained the people. And despite Moses' lack of faith, God was still gracious and gave them the water that they so desperately needed. And you've got to realize, God didn't hate Moses because he messed up. God still loved him. God still cared for him even through his death. And matter of fact, later on, Moses would get to go visit the promised land. Some of you Bible scholars are like, what are you talking about? long time later, Moses and Elijah got to visit the Mount of Transfiguration with guess who? Jesus. <laughs> the only way you're going to get to the promised land, the only way you're going to get to heaven, is through Jesus. No other way. So many years later, Jesus would come in the flesh, the, the full embodiment of God's holiness and God's grace as God wanted to demonstrate through this rock in the desert so many years before. And like this rock poured out living water, Jesus would pour Himself out across the land, healing the sick, making the blind to see, raising dead people back to life, casting out demons and I mean, forgiving sins. I mean, what a miracle is that? And one day He stopped by a very unlikely place to prove a point. And he spoke with a very unlikely woman at a very unlikely well. And he wanted to remind her and remind us today that if you're thirsty, not just for something to drink, but you're looking for something that's going to satisfy your soul, something that's going to leave you wanting nothing more with life other than Jesus, guess what? He's got what he calls living water. And he says you can come to him in simple faith. That's all it takes. Simple faith, trust. He says, I'll give you a drink of water that will well up in you like a fountain for eternal life. And you'll never thirst again. And so this morning, if you find yourself like Moses, if you're at the end of your rope, if you're worried about where this world's going, you're tired, you're worn out with life, you're tired of trying to do it your own way, because that ain't getting you anywhere. 
I'll just tell you this. Have faith. Especially you Christians. If there's ever a time for you to be to have faith in the Lord and be an example for everybody to look at and say, why are they not losing their ever-loving mind in the midst of this chaos? Have faith. Sometimes, that was awesome, whoever that was. Sometimes, even I find myself realizing I'm getting a little dry. My cup's getting a little empty, and I just need to be reminded where this living water comes from. And I just have to have, a, as the song says, just have a little talk with Jesus and get my cup filled up again. And maybe that's you this morning as a Christian. You need to take another big, long drink from the well. Or maybe you have never, ever done that in your life. You don't know Jesus. You know that if you died, you're on your way to hell forever. And listen, you don't have to be like that. You don't have to go through life with that fear, with any fear. You can come this morning and be filled up. Won't you stay? I want to pray with you this morning. And if you're not saved, if you don't have a relationship with Christ this morning, there's one thing that you've got to look at that's also a picture, especially for you. And that's just the way Moses struck that rock. We struck Christ. It wasn't just Roman soldiers that put Jesus on the cross. It was us. The Bible says that, it was, that He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, that the punishment that brought us peace was on Him. But here's the, the great news in all of that. It also says that by His stripes we are healed. And you can find not only healing from the coronavirus. I mean, I don't know if you, if you need that this morning. Man, you can find some healing for your soul. Some healing for your heart. And maybe you need that today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time that you have graciously allowed us to come together, Lord. Maybe the last time we come together like this for a little while. But I thank you that your church is vibrant and strong. That your bride is always being perfected for your return. And God, I pray this morning that you would just renew that, that sense of peace in our hearts. God, for every believer, God, I pray that our faith would be strengthened as we move forward, that we would be able to take salt and light out into this world that desperately needs us right now and desperately needs Jesus. But Lord, at the same time, there's likely someone here, maybe someone watching online, that they've never had that peace. And God, I just pray today that they would turn it all over to you. That in simple faith, they would come and, and just trust you like, like, like you say. Just, just, you need to trust me for salvation. God, I love you and I thank you for the wonderful things that you're doing. And God, I pray that you would continue to guide us and be with us. And Lord, now we give this time of prayer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.